I want to welcome you to Central this morning where we seek transformation through the renewing work of the Lord Jesus. We talked last week about growth and transformation and that's how we organize all of our ministry here at Central Church. That's our purpose that God has for us, to grow up to be more and more like Jesus. Next week, our sermons series kicks off for the fall. Our Sunday school classes, everything uh, together kicking off next week. And we begin the series called Life by Design. It's an exploration. What does it mean for us as human beings to be made in the image of God? It changes everything about how we live from our families to our work, to hospitality, to our bodies, to sexuality. Everything is governed by being made in God's image and belonging to God. Today, we're wrapping up our series on core values here at Central. We've talked about connecting, how the Lord brings us into relationship with one another and we connect as the people of God. Last week, we studied how we are to grow up more and more into Christ. And today, we're going to look at serving. Are you aware that if you've given your life to Jesus, if you've trusted him for your salvation, you've surrendered your life to Christ, then you have been given gifts Gifts to serve that the Lord calls on us to use in his body. Isn't that amazing? Every single person, every believer has been given gifts and are called on to contribute, to to serve, to participate in the building up of the body of Christ. We could put it like this. You have been blessed by God to be a blessing for others. That's how we serve one another and why we serve one another. Are you motivated to serve? Are you motivated to give your life by serving Jesus and his people? We're going to study that from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 to 16 this morning. If you don't have your Bibles with you, you can find the Black Pew Bible in front of you in the rack, and it's on page 977 and 978. But follow along as we read God's word together. Let me pray as we begin. Lord, we ask that you would send your spirit and open our eyes that we might behold the beauty of Jesus. Open our ears that we would hear your word and renew our wills that we would follow after you as disciples. And so, Lord, we ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians 4, beginning in verse Seven, hear God's word. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who ascended far above the the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, but rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, 
joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Have you ever been a recipient of re-gifting? And somebody received a gift and they didn't quite want it and so they gave it to you. Any of that ever happened? Maybe you are the re-gifters here in this. <laughs> Sometimes you do that in white, white elephant parties and you know, you, there's one gift that appears every year. And uh, our staff Christmas party, we have a little clock that appears every year and it's given, it's passed around to different members of the staff. And this year, since Karen Brown was redeployed in the ministry of our church and I was teaching at Central Christian School, she received the clock the first couple of days of school. <laughs> Regifting things you don't want. But there are some people who pass on amazing things. Things that they've received that really, really bless people, just extravagantly generous people, and they, they offer their best to other people. The person I think I know the best who does this is Lance Hudgens. Remember Lance Hudgens? He was our pastor of congregational care here from the uh, mid-2000s up until about 2012 or so. But if you complimented Lance on something that he was wearing, like his tie, for instance, and you told him that you liked it, he might tell you, well, this, was, this tie was a gift from my oldest child. It's a precious thing to me, but here, let me give it to you. He would give anything that he had to someone else. It, it, it didn't matter how important it was to him. If you liked it, he would certainly try to give it to you because Lance loved to give. He loved to re-gift blessings that he re received so that they might bless somebody else. That's the way Jesus set up his church. That's the way we were supposed to live our lives as servants. Every believer in Christ has been given gifts of grace by Jesus for the purpose of re-gifting his grace to somebody else. That's who we're supposed to be. People whom God has gifted to serve one another in his love and his grace and, and by his power. And we offer to the world what Jesus has given to us. We re-gift his grace. How does that work to motivate us and equip us to be a people who love to serve. Two points for us this morning, and the first one is this. Jesus gives his children gifts to enable us to serve in his power. He gives each one of his children gifts to enable us to serve in his power. Look at verse 8. It says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. So the, what the Apostle Paul is doing here is something really interesting. This is a, a quotation from Psalm 68. It's a psalm about God's victory over his enemies, how our king has triumphed over all of his enemies, and he receives gifts and he offers gifts back to his people. But what Paul is doing is applying God and his victory in Psalm 68. He's saying Jesus is the one who embodies that. Jesus is the fulfillment of God's Victory. Look at verse 9 where he replies it directly to Jesus. Jesus is the one who ascended after he had descended. Jesus descended when he left heaven and took on flesh and lived the life that we should have lived in perfect holiness. And then he gave his life as a sacrifice for all of our sin. And after he was raised from the dead, he ascended once to heaven again. 
And where he rules over all, he's occupying the throne over all now as our conquering king. The truth is that he has taken us captive in a way, not, not to harm us, but to give us life. He's conquered our sin. He conquered our death by his own shed blood for us on the cross, his death on our behalf. He's conquered us so that we might be set free by belonging to him. He's taken us captives of his grace so that he sets us free from the dominion of our sin. If the Son of God has set you free, you are free indeed to belong to him and serve him and live no longer for self, but live for the one who has loved you with an eternal love. And as Jesus ascended, he's given things to us. From the throne, verse 7, grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And the grace that he mentions here, these are the gifts for ministry, verse 11. So let's just make sure we're, we're grasping the flow of what Paul's trying to tell us here. To each one of us, that means each and every believer in Jesus, ministry abilities were given. Spiritual gifts have been given according to the measure of Christ's gift. That means from the throne, Jesus is distributing to his people his own ministry abilities, his own ability to serve and love and, and, and give his life for people. From the throne, Jesus has distributed those gifts, those spiritual gifts, the ministry abilities of the Son have been given to you so that you would be empowered by the Spirit to meet the needs of the people around you, to bless the world in a love that's supernatural, that's filled with his own power, that the church would be built up to be more like Jesus. The reason why you've been given gifts is so that you serve one another in his power, in his love, with his perseverance. He's given them to you. Now, we read lists of what those gifts are in the Bible. They're listed in 1 Corinthians 12 and in Romans 12 and 1 Peter 4. And then we have some that are listed here. And if you study all of those lists, what you will see is none of them are the same. There's some, some wide differences in these lists of gifts, gifts because neither, none of the lists are meant to be exhaustive. They're illustrative of the, the various gifts that Jesus can offer his people so that as we serve one another in his power and in his name, Jesus would be experienced through the love of the church. That's why he gives the gifts to his people. The gifts aren't, they're not the same as technical skills. Spiritual gifts aren't just your personality and how you do things, but spiritual gifts uh, uh, employ God's supernatural blessing on you as you serve one another, as you pour yourself out for one another and for the world, the supernatural blessing of God rests upon you as you serve in his power. That's what the gifts are for. That's how, that's, that's why we serve as God's people. But notice he says to each one of us. When he says to each one of us gifts have been given, he means every one of us. Every person who is a believer in Jesus, if you've put your faith and your trust in Jesus as your Savior, you have been given gifts from the throne of heaven. Their gifts aren't just for the, for the super spiritual. It's not for the exceptional people. Every one of us have been given gifts for the sake of serving and building up the body of Christ. You may be here this morning and you think, I don't have anything to offer to Central. 
What, what unique ability do I have to, to do anything of significance here? Well, friends, if Jesus knows you, if he's, if he's saved you and he brought you here, then you come here with the gift that we need. You come here with, with gifts that, that, that other people in this congregation need. This is a radical reorientation of the shape of our lives for us to be, de- for us to be dependent on one another, to live in interdependence because the gifts that we've been given are not to exalt our egos. They're not to be, have a focus on ourselves. They are gifts that are about other people. Jesus has given ministry abilities so that other people would experience his love and his power through you. That's why he does it. That's how he does it. Can you, can you see that? Can you experience that? Have you ever felt the supernatural care of God through someone in your life? It's a measure of his gift being offered to you through that person. You see, because I need the gifts that Jesus has given to you so that I would know him more fully. And you need the gifts that God has given to me so that you would know him more fully. We're, we're made, we are designed to depend upon one another inside the community of the church where we serve and give our lives to care for one another. There's one pastor who has said that the uh, the church, as people use our gifts, the church is not like a bag of marbles. And what he means by that is if you have a, have a bag of marbles, they're all roughly the same size, they're the same shape, they all have the same function, and it really, they're interchangeable. If you're going to play a game of marbles, it doesn't matter which marble you pull out of the bag, they all work exactly the same. But that's not the way the church is. There is a beauty, there's a design of the church that's a whole lot more like a tapestry with a tapestry that forms a beautiful image that, that, that has an image of definition that you can see because of all the different colors of the threads in the tapestry. And if you were trying to weave a tapestry and leave out the blue yarn and leave out the red yarn, then the tapestry would lose some of its, its beauty. It would lose some of its definition of the image because your gifts contribute to the overall beauty of the body of Christ. Your gifts, every one of you have gifts that contribute to the definition of seeing Jesus alive in this place. We're like a tapestry that shows the world who Jesus is. And without you using your gifts, without you serving in the way that God has equipped you to serve, the whole church loses out because Jesus brought you here to serve in that way. Do you see how important you are? Hope you realize how significant, how important, how necessary your gifts are to the body of Christ here at Central. If you're here, you're not here by accident. You're here because the Lord brought you here and you have something that we need. There's something the body of Christ needs. Now, it may be that you might object and say, well, I'll do this kind of thing. I'll serve in this kind of way for the church, but I'll not stoop to do that. I'll do one of those gifts that, where I can get recognition, where I can receive praise. I'll, I'll do the upfront kind of stuff, but I don't really want to stoop to do behind the scenes things. It's not really my call. It's not really where I feel uh, like I'm being used to my highest and best ability. Friends, can we acknowledge that that's prideful? When the Lord calls us to follow after him in humility, 
to follow the path that he walked as he left the throne of heaven and stooped to serve sinners like us in this world. If Jesus, the king of all glory, stoops to serve us, is it really too much for us to ask to stoop to serve one another? Maybe easy to say sometimes this church is too big. I, can't, I really can't find a place to serve. I just don't know where I can fit. I, I, can't, I can't find a place to plug in and serve here. I want to suggest also that's probably not true either. It's possible that our reluctance to serve has uh, more to do with finding a place where we could be recognized, a place where we could be publicly celebrated and honored, and it really might not be all that much about wanting to serve and give my life to help someone else. But the Lord calls us to deeper. The Lord calls us to better. The Lord calls us to follow after his, his pattern of discipleship, his pattern of life that looked to and fro for needs that he could meet. What I want to encourage you is that what needs has God given you the eyes to see here? What needs have you, do you find as you look around in the lives of people in your neighborhood, people in your family, people in the church? What needs do you see? And it just might be that God has given you the gift of stepping in to meet those needs. I don't want to offer a, a commercial for all the places that we're trying to recruit volunteers for the fall here at Central, but I do want to mention just one. That's leading and teaching our youngest disciples, our kids, Sometimes people look down on teaching our kids as if that's not a significant ministry or I can use my gifts in another place. But let me tell you, there is such dignity and honor in being used by Jesus to form the hearts of our youngest disciples. These precious kids are another generation of people to grow up and know and love and serve Jesus. There's such beauty and dignity in spending your life, spending your gifts to serve in that way. Our children's church needs helpers. We see the parade of our kids coming down every week. We're, we're on, running an average, I think, is 42 kids every Sunday going to children's church. And we could use some helpers. And are you willing to offer the gift of your time or the gift of your hospitality or your gifts of teaching or maybe just the plain old gift of enabling kids to have fun? Are you willing to invest those in raising another generation to know and serve and love Jesus. If that's you, if you'd be interested in helping that way, you can talk to Becky Hall, who's helping coordinate all of our children's volunteers, or you could take the little connection card that's in front of you in your, in your pew. You can just write your name and how we can contact you and just write, I want to volunteer with the children, or I want to participate in children's church. And then when the offering plate comes around, put it in the offering plate. Because in that way, you're offering back to the Lord a portion of who you are. You're offering to the Lord the gifts that he's entrusted to you, and you're giving them tangibly to the Lord and saying, Lord, I offer myself, I offer my gifts to you. Use me wherever you see fit. Willing to do that? Are you willing to serve in that way? Jesus gives gifts to his children to enable us to serve in his power, through his power. But I also want us to remember our second point that he does so so that we might re-gift his grace to other people. There's a direction for the use of our gifts and it's so that we would re-gift to others what we have received from Jesus. 
It's like Lance, who loved to give you something special that meant something to him. He would give it to you, even give you his tie. that's, That's the posture of a Christian person. Something that is important to me that the Lord has shared with me, I'm here to share it with you. Been given new life in Jesus, that we might be agents of regifting his grace, regifting that same life to other people. That's how we serve. That's why we serve, so that Jesus' life and Jesus' love and Jesus' power can be felt through how you live your life, how you serve and regift his grace to others. Now, clearly, there are seasons of life. <laughs> when you have more time or more space or more energy to give yourself to ministry than others. Here's looking at all you young families. You probably don't have a lot of time to do this right now. It's more probable that your call is to be more deeply engaged in serving your family, serving your children, serving, serving one another in your household, serving people in your community group. But the question for all of us is, can I see that the gifts I've been given, the abilities that God's entrusted to me, are for the sake of others. He's given these to me so that I pour them out for the sake of others. Not not use my gifts to, to exalt my ego, not use my gifts to gain attention for myself, but we use the gifts that God has given so that we point other people away from ourselves to Jesus, to the Jesus who loves, to the Jesus who saves to the Jesus who serves undeserving sinners like us, like me and you. We don't belong to ourselves. We've been taken captive by our Savior who uses us and deploys us to offer his grace to others around us. How do we see that here in this text? Look at verses 11 and 12. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. Now, if, if verse 12 were to be written as the title of uh, a Father Brown mystery from Chesterton, I think the title would be the case of the comma that matters. That would be what that mystery would be all about. Because in the early versions of translating the King James, there was an extra comma added in verse 12, and it mattered. It was significant. That comma shaped the way that the life of the church was lived out for a long time. Let's see if you can hear it. It used to read like this. He gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the uh, shepherds and teachers for the equipping of the saints, comma, for the work of doing ministry, comma, and for the building up of the body of Christ. You see that extra comma after saints? Here's why it matters. According to that understanding, God gave these teaching, these ministry gifts to shepherds and teachers so that the work of equipping, the work of of, of doing the ministry, the work of building up the body of Christ would all be done by the ministers. They were responsible for all three of those clauses, the, 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 uh, the equipping of the saints, the doing of the work of the ministry, the building up of the body of Christ was to be done by the shepherds and teachers. That's what that understanding means. In other words, look, all of you, just leave the ministry to the professionals. Just leave it to the clergy. Leave it, leave it to the professional ministry class. That's where it belongs anyway. But friends, that's not what the Bible teaches. 
That's not what this text teaches. Most commentators, contemporary commentators, agree that that extra comma after saints doesn't belong there. But instead, without that extra comma, there's there's not three tasks given to ministers. There's one. The task of the minister, the task of pastors are to equip the saints. And the work of doing the ministry and so that the church is built, is built up belongs to you. It belongs to every member of the church. It belongs to the laity. You see, ministry belongs to you. That's why he's gifted you, so that you would do the work of the ministry and build up the church in Christ. Jesus' design for his church is that every member would have a ministry. Every member is engaged. Every member has a purpose. Every member has a ministry. If Jesus died for you, if he was raised from the dead for you, and he was he's occupying that throne, he is now giving you gifts for serving his flock. That's how the church is built. We depend upon one another. We need one another to exercise the gifts that Jesus has given to every one of you. The church is designed to be a place where every member has a ministry. Every member has gifts that are used. It's also a place where every member is to be valued equally. It's not that those who have upfront gifts are more important or more uh, more to be exalted or lifted up and those who who do things behind the scenes are, well, you know, those are the also-rans. Sometimes we behave that way, but that's not the way Jesus designed his church. It gives each of us gifts to be poured out, each of us gifts so that we would be valued equally among the people of God. And every one of us are pouring out the gifts that Jesus has offered to us so that we love one another and serve the world around us. The truth of the church is that the whole church using its gifts reveals the ministry of the whole Jesus alive and at work among us. Do you know where you fit? Do you know what Jesus has equipped you to do, what he's called you to do, what he's asking you to pour out in your life for service of others? That's why we seek opportunities. We look for ways to discover what God has entrusted to me and then pray that his supernatural power would be at work while we use them. It's the kind of church we want Central to be where you both know your gifts and use your gifts powerfully for the sake of of God's people. Some churches operate on the 80-20 rule or the 90-10 rule. Have you ever heard that rule? Where 80% or 90% of the ministry is done by 20 or 10% of the people? That's not what Jesus desires and that's not the kind of church I want us to be at Central because every member has a ministry. Every member has gifts. Every member has a place to plug in and pour yourself out for the sake of other people. I don't want us to be a church where we just come and sit on a Sunday morning and consume religious goods and services. But instead we find a place to pour out our lives in real community with one another. Where we have eyes to see the needs of the people around me and eyes to understand and and, and hearts to understand how Jesus has given me gifts to meet your needs. That's the kind of church we want central to continue to grow into being a place where every member has a ministry and you're engaged. Maybe you're sitting here wondering, well, how do I know what my gift is? How do I know what my ministry is? What, is there a way that you can help me? Well, 
there's a tool that's called Shape that Pastor Ben or Pastor Charles or Pastor Mike could help you get connected with that assessment tool, and it's designed to help you understand how God's made you. A little bit about personality, more about spiritual gifts. It's a wonderful tool. If you have time, go through that tool with Mike or Ben or Charles. But if you don't have the space in your life to go through this kind of uh, shape exercise, I want to lay out before you three simple questions. Three simple questions that you can ask of your own life and begin to discern the gifts that God's given you, uh, an ability to understand where you might be being called to have your ministry as a member. The first question is this, what needs do you see? What needs do you see among the people of God and what burden do you feel about it? Because you see, God, God gives us a sense of desire and an and inner compulsion to meet the needs that he has given us eyes to see. When you look around the church, you look around the people whose lives are all around you, what do you see that they need? What does it begin to stir within you? Sometimes we think, I see this thing, I see this need, and somebody ought to do something about that. And we have our fingers pointed out. Somebody ought to do something about that. It just might be that God has made you to be that somebody. God has given you the gift to be that somebody to do something about that. What burdens do you see and and, uh, uh, needs do you see and burdens do you feel when you look at the lives of the people around you? It's the first question. The second question is, where do you feel God's delight when you serve? Where do you feel the pleasure of God when you give your life away? What are the kinds of things you absolutely love to do? Because God gives us hearts of joy that match when our gifts are being poured out and as we're in using them as he's entrusting us to use them. There's a real supernatural power that you can sense sometimes. Where do you feel God's pleasure? Where do you feel his delight when you're serving someone else? Third question is this. What do do other people see in you as your giftedness? Because sometimes other people see things in us that we have trouble seeing ourselves. And they are a better objective view to look at your life and say, hey, you did a great job with that thing over there. Do you think you might want to do that again? If you do something, if you do some ministry, some service, and somebody says, you're really good at it, you ought to do that some more, that might be a pretty good window into ways that God has gifted you to do those kinds of ministries. Now, if you think I did a bang-up job here, but nobody ever asked you to do it again, it might be that that's not your gift. (laughs) Other people can see us better than we can see ourselves sometimes. But those three questions can help us begin to explore in our hearts before the Lord, what is my ministry to be? What is my ministry, the the gift that you've given me? If every member has a ministry, what is my gift? What is my ministry? What needs or burdens do you see and feel? Where do you feel God's pleasure when you serve? And what have other people seen in you? Friends, the way that the church grows up into maturity, as verse 16 tells us, is when we all work together. When every part is working properly, when all the different parts of this body are serving and going in the same direction, working together, that's how we grow up into maturity. So what's your part? 
What's your role? What's your part in laying down your life in service to Jesus, to one another, and to the world? We have a tremendous blessing in our church right now where we have tons of new families coming. I don't know if you've looked around, there are lots of new, new faces, new families. We're so excited that you're here. And what I want you to know is that the Lord brought you here. But also I want you to know that there's a place here for you to serve. It's a place here for you to use your gifts, to use your life to serve and bless and love the people around you. It doesn't matter if you've been here two weeks, you've been here 25 years, there is a place for you to serve because we are more than consumers. We are participants. We have been gifted to be participants in the ministry of Jesus so that other people would know the deep and abiding love of Christ through your life. That's why he bought you the price of his own blood, that you might be his agent to re-gift his grace to a world that's thirsty for his love. Look for ways to give your life away. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are grateful that you looked upon us with compassion and you've given your life for us that we might be yours forever. You have given us a gift of grace that we did not deserve and could never repay. And so, Lord, out of the abundance of that grace as you've saved us, would you use us as your agents to re-gift your grace to people who were as lost and as thirsty as we were? Lord, I pray that you would build up this church to be a place where every person who walks through the door is able to discern how they fit and how they can serve and how they can be agents of your love in this place. Would you do that? Would you do that work of revival among us, that work of of renewal among us so that your life would be not only seen but experienced through Central Presbyterian Church? Do it, we pray, through Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.